We live in dynamic times, not just in marketing, but in business, global politics, and technology. Consumer desires have fundamentally shifted and CMOs face not only stalling growth, but a mandate to reinvent business at every level. Our role has never been more important. At Future Ready CMO, we're on a mission to help marketers become a force for change. Join us as we explore the ideas and innovations we can apply to shape the future of our economy, our social structures, and our planet. I'm Deanna Paredes. And I'm Mary Gilbert. And we are Future Ready CMOs. Welcome to Future Ready CMO podcast episode two. Last time, we talked to our research partner, Matt Zeltzer of Intuify, and today we continue that conversation to discuss more about how CMOs can prepare themselves to lead change. We'll also hear from Matt Rivets, founder of Sleeping Giants and the Quills, and Bonnie Wan, partner and chief strategy officer of Goodby Silverstein and Partners and the founder of The Life Brief. Shelly Paxton, chief soul officer and founder of Soul Batical, and Grant McDougall, CEO of Blue Ocean AI. Thanks, Deanna. So marketers see their role is changing really rapidly within the next three or four years. And there's obviously some sense of anxiety that goes with that, but also a lot of purpose and excitement. So we're still trying to get the people and technology alignment right. But now the people and technology are changing even faster. So today we continue our conversation with Matt and share some of the wisdom we've gained working with our thought leaders and our community at Future Ready CMO over the past year. So Mary, I just want to remind our audience that we fielded a research study last year to learn how CMOs felt about their role in shaping the future of business. So let's dig a little deeper with Matt today because there's some really practical insights we want to share. So Matt, let's start where we left off. In our last episode, we heard that CMOs unanimously agree that brands need to be leading the charge, but feel unprepared. Remind us what the top issues are. Excellent. Um, Yeah, last time we learned that four in five marketing leaders agreed that in order for us to transform the world, we need to transform business. And that's that's a sizable share. Um, We also learned the number one priority for future-ready CMOs was organizational culture and team development. You know, there's a a people factor here that they're really pushing on and relying on. Um, And with that in mind, the top three pain points in marketing right now are talent development, navigating VUCA, and navigating a changing digital landscape. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in the minds of marketers right now. We heard there are some big skills gaps. These are generational, but also really about what is required of leaders now that hasn't been taught in schools or corporations. So what's missing? You know, there's a lot of different pieces there. And and I, I've really got it boiled down into four big buckets. Um, you know, there's, there's financial constraints, but we're talking about budget limitations that prevent CMOs from implementing their preferred strategies and initiatives. You've got employee skill sets. Um, some respondents perceive a gap in the skill set of their employees, and, and that really hindered the organization's readiness for the future. Um, there's a misalignment in priorities sometimes. You know, Some CMOs really felt that their organization's current priorities don't necessarily align with future needs, especially as they're viewed from the vantage point of marketing. And then, uh, of course, you can't ever ignore time management. I mean, we're talking about balancing the demands of the president, present with the need to prepare for the future. And that can be a struggle in an industry where everyone already agrees we don't have enough time in the day. 
And that really impacts talent, all of those things, because as we know, training and development programs are getting cut. The time that people have to work on their skills and develop those skills, and everybody's in this kind of react mode. And then the rest of the organization is not necessarily thinking about making the space or the ex- providing the experience to help people develop new skills and think about the future needs that they need to be developing for the business. Yeah, I mean, you're you're, you're absolutely right, and it's in marketing. I've my entire career, and I think everyone listening could probably agree with this. It's been a constant series of do more with less. Less is often time, though it's not always the less. But there's also a growth component that is simply overlooked. You know, you're saying I need you. It, it used to take you uh, half a day to do X. I need you now to do two X's in half a day. Um, that's the ask. There, none of that incorporates some thinking around, and I want you to become a better marketer, meaning I want you to take classes or I want you to practice your skills or learn new software. There, No time is allocated for that. And yet, if you look at any form of career ladder, which I, I think a lot of CMOs really want their employees to look at their current positions as a career ladder rung, um, there isn't necessarily a devotion from a resource standpoint to actually get people to climb those ladders. Mm. So they're taking care of people and and really helping them navigate their own growth. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because, okay, we've got more technology than we've ever known to deal with, and it's new technology. It's not like you just buy the software and you can use it. There's a learning curve with everything. There's, there's years of experience handling XYZ facet of marketing, of which there are myriad XYZ facets of marketing. All of that's opportunity and all of that's things that we expect people to grow in. But I believe the thinking now we're now we're going, we did see some of this actually in the open ends now that I think about it. The expectation is to do it on your own time. But one, I don't think very many people in our industry work nine to five. So our own time is a relative term. Second, you mentioned taking care of people and professional growth is a part of how people are taken care of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we're all, we're all going through this change together, right? We're all learning these new skills together. And so expecting everybody to go off and, and develop these new skills independently, you know, when we're all trying to learn the same skills at the same time, doesn't really make any sense either. So, you know, this to me kind of goes back to this idea that it's just about the way we see ourselves as leaders and ourselves as people in the business now, right, Deanna? Right. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what we see over and over again um, in all the organizations right now. So Matt, what else did we learn? So there's this misalignment in priorities. And we talked about this on the last episode a little bit that um, the C-suite might not necessarily be thinking about future ready the same way the CMO is, who arguably is tasked with being future ready and job description. And that plays out in a lot of different ways. One of them is in a cultural aspect. Um, you know, you think about the the other individuals at that C-suite table with you, the CMO, you got someone who's only focused on finance and someone who's only focused on operations. And what you, you start to see is that that silo effect and maybe silo is not even the right word, even though it's it's definitely a part of it. Um, it's this, the majority of responsibilities at the C-suite are hyper-focused on now. 
And that means that the CMO, especially the future ready CMO, is literally speaking a different language than their counterparts. That can be a challenge. And it, it, in fact, it was a challenge that we saw in the research data quite a bit. The other piece with that becomes a time management issue when there is this misalignment component where all of your counterparts are hyper-focused again on the now, and you as the CMO want to be part of that conversation, but also be thinking about the future. What we're really talking about is juggling. And the challenge with juggling, of course, is you're not going to focus on every ball. Not you're, you're, you're going to drop a ball. And a lot of times when you have demands from today and separately, you have expectations for your team or yourself to learn new software, new techniques, new strategies, um, which of those two priorities falls by the wayside? Well, it's the non-now nagging piece. And of course, that future piece, that's the part that gets fallen to the wayside. Problem, and we had a lot of CMOs really echo this, is that future, future is a lot closer than you think. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, while we're working on our own skills, as we all like to do, what we're really finding is that this is truly a mindset shift, right? Right, absolutely. We have to change our internal landscape and our view of what success looks like, the role we want to play in the world. And that's why we set out to talk to innovators that we admire who are leading the way in this arena. Um, back in April, we did a very interesting event with Matt Rivets, the founder of Sleeping Giants Movement and The Quills. Matt's an activist at heart, but also a celebrated advertising creative. And he started the Sleeping Giant Movement to get global brands to stop advertising on sites that shared fake news or negative news that was perpetrating widespread authoritarianism and racism like Breitbart and other really dark networks. And he shared with us what it was like to start a movement and take on big corporations like Facebook to push them for change. And what we heard from him is that it took a toll on him personally and on his life. These corporations are very powerful. You know, for me personally, Matt's discuss discussion resonated a lot. Mary, as you know, I was living in the Parkland, Florida area in 2018 when the tragic mass shooting occurred at Medjury Storm and Douglas High School there. Um, I actually first found out about the event from my husband, Les, who is an attorney and at the time was working in criminal defense. He was home with our then one-year-old son and had heard the police sirens for several minutes and got on the police scanner to find out what was going on. And then he called me at work to tell me about it before it ever hit the news. And that moment when I answered the phone still just shakes me to my core this day, hearing those police sirens in the background and being unsure what happened, and then finding out that this had happened in our own neighborhood. Um, my heart just dropped to my stomach, and I still get chills about it to this day. We had just put an offer on a house in the area because of that school. Parkland was known as such a great school, and the city had been named one of the safest cities in America at that time. So for me, it was like, how could this happen here? And afterwards, the survivors of Parkland became very active in mobilizing and trying to affect change. And my husband and I got very involved with them. We marched, we offered our services, we did everything we could think of to support them. And as I started to get verbal about our concern with the gun lobby's involvement in these events, I quickly learned just how powerful these organizations really are. 
within days, I was getting very scary messages and comments on my social media. And we were really forced to back off for the sake of our family. And that was five years ago now. And in that time, the movement has really been all but silenced for this reason. And not much has changed to protect our kids from events like this. So I was really inspired by hearing Matt's own similar experience in taking on these organizations. Um, at times it was challenging, but he still did it and it was successful. And what we learned is the way to affect change is to mobilize and to be bigger and louder than the opposition. And I know that there's a lot of parents in this country that feel the same way about the safety of our kids in school. Imagine what we could do if we could come together as a collective. So here's what Matt had to say about finding purpose in your work to drive change and make money. Having gone through what I experienced in my participation in the school safety moment, I went through a period of feeling like, what else can I do to make a difference? If not this, how can we get past these groups and actually make change in a meaningful way? And I was very inspired by what Matt said here about simple things business leaders can do to affect change through their companies. But it's really just finding a purpose in what you do. Um, and, you know, I think there's so much talk about purpose and there doesn't need to necessarily be a purpose for a candy bar. But if you're starting something, find a purpose and find something that you're fighting for or fighting against. Um, even if it's even if you're selling a product or a service, there is a purpose in it. And then build a community with that, because once you have a purpose, you can have people not just following and buying your um, buying your products or, and, and taking part of your service, but they they can help you fight for this thing and they can really make they can um, evangelize what you have and not just as a as a product or a service, but as a movement. And then more more importantly than anything, make more than money. You know, um, I realized during Sleeping Giants that as it was unpaid, it became very hard to sustain that long-term because I had to work a full-time job. But you, it does, that doesn't mean you can't start a business um, and have another purpose. And I think that's what I'm doing here with the Quills. I, wanna, I, I, I want to have something beyond money here. I'm fighting against a system that is um, devaluing um, human, human uh, creativity. And I would like to battle against that. And I really hope that we make progress in that, not just make money along the way. Having gone through what I experienced in my participation in the school safety moment, I went through a period of feeling like, what else can I do to make a difference? If not this, how can we get past these groups and actually make change in a meaningful way? And I was very inspired by what Matt said here about simple things business leaders can do to affect change through their companies. Look, leadership is one thing. Like we've seen, like we've seen with Facebook, a lot of people they have done stuff. They've been there've been whistleblowers in Facebook, and I think whistleblowers are the most valuable tool we have in our in our in our arsenal right now, because they see things from the inside. Mm -hmm. I think if you're up top, it's all on you. Like if you want to create change, you can do it. It's not that hard. Like a lot of people have reached out to, hey, do you have a block list online? I don't because I don't believe it should be my responsibility to provide that. And I don't think that my block list should be everyone's block list. Like I have certain beliefs, but I also know that other people have other beliefs. And so they need to decide what's proper and what's not. I think you need to, mostly you need to set out an agenda for yourself and your company from a, um, from a moral standpoint and what 
what lines are you not willing to cross? What do you believe in? And then you have to follow that through in everything you do, your media buy and how you treat employees and your benefits and, and who you choose to do business with. Um, what lines are you not willing to cross? I think that that is super important to establish that early in the job and see that through in everything because it is very, very hard to keep your eye on everything. We're just trying to survive most days, get through the workday. But, you know, um, what I found is a lot of companies like with Stop Aid for Profit, they didn't know what to do. So they're waiting for to get someone, have someone else make a decision for them in another company so they can follow the leader. If you have a set of principles that you want to stick to from the beginning, then you stick to them and you know then what to do in every situation because you know the lines you're not willing to cross. And I don't think a lot of companies have thought about that. And I think they should. I think, you know, we talked about at some point having every company having a chief purpose officer. I don't know how practical that is right now because companies are just trying to keep people in, in, you know, employed at this moment. But as we come out of this, I think it's more important than ever to reestablish some rules and principles and morals um, for themselves because then then they don't need to panic in these situations. 100%. A um, couple more questions. Besides the three goals that you covered at the end, what are some practical and tactical tips each person can take to make a difference? A big question. Um, I think it depends on where you are in an organization. And um, I think that speaking up and out or, or the, is probably the most important thing you can do. I, I have taken a very um, offensive position in this, not defensive. I just think like, I, you know, there are a lot of ways to get things done. I've found that with Sleeping Giants, um, you need, like, it helps to have an outside, it helps to have people inside um, trying to make their presence felt. It also helps to have rocks being thrown out from the outside to create change. And it takes both. Um, I think that um, it depends on where you are in the organization, but I do think, again, holding yourself to, to your own standards, what you're willing to do, what you're like, as a copywriter, I would have never worked on a tobacco account from when I was 21 forward. I was not interested in that. And that's something that I always, I, if, if um, you know, someone asked me to work on that, I would not do it. Um, right now, I won't work for Facebook, you know, um, but because I think it's equally or, or worse, equally damaging or worse. But I, I, uh, I, I think that it's really important to, again, to establish your own set of principles and, and listen to yourself and speak up when you feel like something's wrong, because we're all pretty good at kind of putting our head down and going, that doesn't feel right, but okay, I'll do it this time because it's easier to do that. But um, I think people end up respecting you a lot more, um, even if you're risking things a little bit. They respect you a lot more if you if you say, no, that doesn't feel right. So these points really show that business leaders can start the movement within their own companies. But we often get asked by marketers, what can I really do within my role? One of the key beliefs we have at Future Ready CMO is that CMOs are really the main players in the C-suite that can lead this change within their companies if they can get comfortable with thinking horizontally across the business. In fact, earlier this year, we spoke with our friend Grant McDougall, CEO of Blue Ocean AI, who had some insights on this. So a Future Ready CMO knows that they won't be good at everything. They'll have to be a generalist, um, and their job is to, to think horizontally when no one else is thinking horizontally through the company. 
Ah, thinking horizontally. What an undervalued yet critical capability. And of course, as been, has been happening to us this past year, the thread of truth continues through all of our conversations. It's been such an, you know, we've had so many synchronicities here. So this is what our friend Shelly Paxton, former CMO of Harley-Davidson and founder of Soul Batical, had to say. And I think that's another piece of it is how can we align kind of like our seed with, with our, like our seed is our passion. And how can we align that with the work that we're doing in the world to have the impact that we want to have? I, Chip has heard me say this a million times and Mary, maybe you have too, but I'm on a mission to redefine how we think about ROI as well. I say ripples of impact mm. instead of return on investment. And the truth as a business person is, of course, I know that we need both. I think one builds on the other, but I love this beautiful idea of how do we have ripples of impact in the world? And I didn't create that phrase, but I believe in it deeply that, mm. you know, that's how I think about the work that I'm doing in the world. And that's how I would, you know, I mean, I wish I was thinking about my marketing work that way. And that's, I think, a beautiful idea that we can bring to future ready CMOs to say, what are the ripples of impact you want to create in your organization and your team, first yourself, then your team, then your organization, and then the world, mm -hmm. which feels so powerful to me. This brings us to my favorite topic, intuition. If you're still trying to do your way through this change cycle, it's going to be a rocky and really uncomfortable ride. This is where the idea of going inward, listening to your intuition and navigating a course through feeling is key. But intuition isn't just about feeling. It's important to create a framework of values, beliefs, and a vision to fine tune your ability to hear your intuition. We've been really intentional about the programming we put together this year. Our first few sessions were about learning about being versus knowing and how to cultivate that intuition. We had the privilege to talk with Bonnie Wan. She teaches that high functioning leaders need to be able to hold multiple dimensions in their leadership roles, be in tune with their values and listen deeply to where they need to realign. This starts with a really tight personal brief or what Bonnie calls the life brief. Um, it's five declarative statements about what you want summed up in a single-minded, sharp, sticky handle that tattoos in your mind so that it is always with you. This is about cultivating an ongoing practice of clarity and intention and action in every moment of your leadership. As long as we are always solving for things, coming up with ideas, solutions um, for any kind of issue that is meaningful for us, that is important to change. As long as we are coming up with innovations, it allows us to distance ourselves from the real change that exists between people. So I'm going to take you through the arc of how this practice works. You're already doing it if you've written anything down. So congratulate yourself for that. But there are three parts to this practice. The first is allowing yourself to get messy. And when you do, then you can get clear, but only if you are willing to open up to your own mess. And then comes the easier part. Yes, <laughs> we tend to think that action might be the hardest, but it's not. If you've done the work up front, 
in getting messy and getting clear, actions naturally fall out. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Bonnie does a great job of applying what we as marketers do all day long to ourselves. The life brief really enhances our ability to get clear on what we want to make happen. To learn more about this really useful practice, head to futurereadycmo.com forward slash events to listen to the full recording. At Future Ready CMO, we're a community of marketers on a mission to become leaders of positive change. Our roles are changing rapidly, and there's a sense of anxiety that goes with that, but also a lot of purpose and excitement. We have to change our internal landscape, our view of what success looks like, the role we want to play in the world. We're bringing people together to inspire and co-create the strategies and develop the capacity to be leaders now. As Shelly said, anybody who is interested in this community is looking for something to fulfill them in a much more meaningful and soulful way than the traditional grind of marketing and brand and business and all of that. We've spent a lot of time developing our personal internal landscape to prepare for the change. We're going to be shifting into developing some new perspectives and capacities to start to lead forward. In our next episode, we talk to Thomas Colster, author of Goodvertising and The Hero Trap, about how to take brands beyond lip service and turn them into powerful motivators of positive global change. Also, we're starting to really take action together. This summer, we're mobilizing collective action and identifying individuals who want to be a leader within the community to lead working groups. If you're interested in helping to lead the change with us, visit futureadycmo.com. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's great to have you here. Deanna, read us out. Future Ready CMO is produced by Infinite Edge Consulting, a team of transformative marketers dedicated to helping brands create sustainable, predictable value in the 21st century and beyond. This podcast is produced and directed by Mary Gilbert and Deanna Paredes. Graphics and design by Joanna Hanal. And Ashley Battle is our production manager, social media maven, and community coordinator. I'm Mary Gilbert. And I'm Deanna Paredes. And we're your hosts at Future Ready CMO.